because he went through agony for us. We see this cross over here, and crosses are a, a big thing. You'll see them on the top of churches. You'll see them hanging around people's necks. If you watch football like I do, you'll see guys coming onto the field doing crosses and all that sort of stuff. So we, we think crosses are kind of a cool thing, but 2,000 years ago, you would never have seen this. The cross was a symbol uh, of unimaginable pain, of incalculable shame, and of utter despair. To wear a cross around your neck 2,000 years ago would be a bit like wearing a noose around your neck now and thinking it's cool, and everyone would think, well, that's very morbid, because that's what the cross was like 2,000 years ago. So why do we celebrate the cross in 2023, why would we bother with a two-millennial-old symbol? What's the point? So I ask you the question today, what's so good about Good Friday? See, Jesus was a man on a mission. In Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, it says, Have this, in mind, uh, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, talking about Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning. Father, as we look at the cross and, and what it symbolizes and what it means for us, Lord, we pray that you would help to give us laser pinpoint focus on you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. See, Jesus is God, yet he chose to give that up, to come to earth as a humble man, being obedient, going to, to the cross for us. He gave up the riches of heaven to come and die, to earth and die in our place. Why would he do that? Why would, why would God himself... In the form of his son Jesus do that. You want to know why? Because he loves you. That's why he did it. Because he loves you. Nails never held him to the cross. His love for you held him to the cross. And we're going to see that as we go through this morning. We are all sinners. We all deserve death. But Jesus came with the expressed intent to die in our place. He was a man on a mission. And his mission was to lay his life down for us. That should have been me hanging on that cross. That should have been you hanging on that cross. But he chose to give his life instead of ours. He experienced what we should have to give us what we never deserved, which is a chance to be right with God. That's the message of the cross. We've got the chance to reconnect with God. So let me tell you, anything you suffer, Jesus has been there first. When this whole saga started to sort of roll out, he was betrayed by a close friend. Some of you here have experienced that. You had a friend, maybe a husband or a wife or, or a close friend or a parent, and someone's let you down that betrayed you. Well, Jesus understands what that's like because he was there first. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. And then he was unjustly accused and unjustly convicted. Many of you have been unjustly accused of something you haven't done. And Jesus understands that because that's exactly what happened to him. He was accused of something he never did. And yet he remained silent. He never sinned, but he suffered for your sins. How many of you have committed sin and you've suffered the consequences? Some people suffer the consequences for years for sins that they've committed. Yes, you're forgiven, but the consequences are still there where he bore all of that sin on his shoulders. Sin, failures, addiction, unforgiveness were all born on the shoulders of Jesus Christ that day. 
as he hung upon the cross. So he was, that was leading up to the cross. He was taken away and the death sentence was pronounced and was about to be carried out. But there was a way to the cross. Jesus was convicted in a, a kangaroo court. They threw charges together to try and convict him. And, and when he was convicted on trumped up charges, Jesus was whipped. He was beaten. He was spat upon. He was mocked by cruel soldiers. Think about it. God, the God who created the world was spat upon by puny man. Think about that. We mocked him. We abused him. He, he could have stopped the abuse at any time, but he chose to remain silent. Why? Why would he go through this? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. That was his mission, was to love you. They whipped him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. The thorns were longer than a man's fingers. And they beat it into his brow till the blood flowed down his cheeks. And they mocked him as they drove these spikes into his head, blow after blow. They tore the beard from his face. They mocked him and beat him. The Bible says he was unrecognizable. Why would he do this? Why would he put up with this? Because he loves you. Jesus was beaten to within an inch of his life. The Bible says his back was like a plowed field. Romans, the, the Romans had ref, uh, refined cruelty and pain to the point of science. They called this beating that he suffered the halfway death. And what they do is they had a cat of nine tails, which is a whip with nine ends on it, and they would sew bits of metal and, and stone and bone into it. So when they, when they threw it into his back, it would thud into his flesh. When they pulled it off, it would tear the flesh in strips from his back. There are reports of men who were so badly beaten, you could see their, their inner organs through the back. That's how deep they went. But they didn't want to kill him. They just, they call it the halfway death because the, ob the object was not to kill him, but just to inflict pain. Unbelievable pain. And he could have stopped it at any minute. He could have said enough, but he didn't. He chose not to. Why? Because he loves you. That's why. Matthew 27 verse 30 says this, And they spit on him, and they took a reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put... Uh, of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Jesus was not a weakling, folks. Jesus was a strong and fit man. He'd walk for miles in his ministry. He was a fit guy. And he'd done that without effort. But they placed the, the, the cross on his shoulders. It was actually the cross beam of the cross, not the whole cross, but the cross beam. They placed on his shoulders. And because of the beating and because of the loss of blood, he struggled to carry it. And as they drove him down the Via Della Rosa, the way of sorrows, Jesus collapsed. Matthew 27 verse 32 says that they compelled a man from Cyrene to carry his cross. Now this was most likely, a man from Cyrene was most likely a black man. The, the, the Bible records that a black man carried the cross of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So Jesus is not the white man's religion. He's everybody's religion. The scriptures then go on to say that they led him out to the cross. And we sing about the cross and we talk about the cross, but nothing can convey the horror of what this thing was like that day at a place called Calvary. And at the cross, they came to the place called the Skull or Golgotha. And it was there that they crucified Jesus. The cross wasn't on a hill far away. You need to understand that's a song. Sounds nice. It wasn't on a hill far away. It was quite close to civilization. In fact, there is now an Arab bus stop built at the actual place of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ so long ago at the base of that hill. 
And they laid the cross member down. They, they took this cross member and they, they put it down on the ground. And they held out his quivering hands and feet and they drove massive nails through his hands and feet. Not nails like we're going to have later on. Great huge things like, like what they, they, they bash railway sleepers in with. And they drove them through his hands and his feet. They didn't do it through here. They did it through here. Through his wrists and his ankles. Because if they did it here, it could tear away. But if they did it here, it lodged between the bones and it could hold him up. These guys had it down to a refined art. Then they, they, they joined the cross piece to the, the vertical piece. Then they lifted it up and dropped it in a hole in the ground. Imagine the jarring pain as it dropped down into it and he was on those spikes being held. And there, Jesus Christ hung in agony for you and I. He could have called down a legion of angels. He could have said enough. He could have stopped the crucifixion right there. But he didn't. Why? Because he loves you. As I said, nails didn't hold him there. It was his love for you that held him there. He could have come down, but he chose not to because he loves you. And the cross wasn't high at all. That's probably a fair representation of the height of the cross. It was more or less at eye level. And people, maybe a little bit above eye level, and people could walk by and they could look him directly in the eye. The eyes of Jesus as he hung there in agony. And people passing by mocked him and insulted him. Matthew 27, 42 says... The people saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He's supposed to be the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. They mocked him in his agony. The soldiers offered him wine mixed with gall, a pain-killing drug. But Jesus, even in intense agony, refused drugs. He could have dulled the pain, but he chose not to. He bore it all. Why? Because he loves you. The Roman cross was an almost perfect instrument of torture. On the cross, you see, you don't, you don't die of blood loss, you die of suffocation. What happened was Jesus would push his body up on the spikes uh, to, to take air into his lungs, but the unbelievable pain of that drove him into unconsciousness and then he'd slump, collapsing his lungs, but the need for oxygen would revive him, so he would wake up again and have to pull himself up on the nails. And this went on hour after unbearable hour. The Latin or Roman word for, for crucifixion is cruciere, from which we get the English word excruciating. When you say, I have an excruciating pain, you know nothing of the sort of pain that he went through that day. Excruciating pain on a cross, unbearable pain. So Jesus suffered for three hours in this excruciating pain under the intense heat of the Palestinian sun before God said enough. The Father said enough and he covered the world in a supernatural darkness. Jesus continued to suffer for another three hours in ways that we cannot understand. And Jesus, for six hours hanging on the cross, could have stopped it at any minute, but he chose not to. Why? Because he loves you. He could look down through the eons of time and see you. Because he cares for you. That's why he, he held himself to the cross there. And then he cried out the words, it is finished. After six torturous hours... Matthew 27, 46 says this. Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, the Father, my God, the Holy Spirit, why have you forsaken me? He's all alone on the cross, bearing the sins of a hateful world on that cross, and the Father turns away from his beloved Son. 
In those, those moments, a holy God who cannot look upon sin saw your sin and my sin on the shoulders of Jesus and he rejected him. At that moment, Jesus took our sin upon himself and the Father turned away. But in doing that, it opened the way for us to stand sinless before him. And then it says this, Matthew 27, 15, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. He cried out, it is finished. Then he slumped dead on the cross. You see, ultimately, at the end of it all, no one took Jesus' life. He chose when and where he was going to yield his life. And he yielded his life in excruciating pain for your sin and my sin. Why? Why? Why would he do it? Because he loves you. He cried, it is finished because his mission was over. He had come to earth with the expressed intent of dying for our sins. And when his mission was done, when it was over, he cried out, it is finished. They took his body down from the cross. They buried it in a fresh tomb. And you know the, the story. In a few days' time, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the great day of hope. But the story of today, Good Friday, is that Jesus died in our place. That's why we call it Good Friday. It wasn't good for him. But it's really good for us because it opens the way that we might again be able to connect in with God. That's why we call such a horrific death good. But the goodness of Good Friday depends directly on you and how you respond. God can't do any more to save you than he's already done. He's given the best of heaven to die on a cross to give you the best of heaven. And all you need to do is accept it. But if you don't respond, if you ignore his free gift, you condemn yourself to an eternity in hell. He came and paid the price. All you need to do is to accept it this morning. At the base of the cross, there were three soldiers. The Bible records that. They were crucifying Jesus that day. These guys were hardened military men. They'd done this many, many times and crucified many people. But there were three of them there. One of them was a materialist. The Bible says that they gambled for Jesus' cloak. It was a rabbi's cloak. The cloak that Jesus wore was a rabbi's cloak uh, or coat. It was all in one piece. It only had seams around the arms. It was a valuable commodity. It was a valuable garment. <coughs> and this soldier, one soldier that day walked away with this valuable cloak. One soldier walked away with the, the, the cloak of Jesus Christ and he got what he wanted, a good coat, nothing more. He was a materialist. How many people come to God and they say, God, meet my needs, do this for me. All they want from God is what they can get from God. I don't go to church because I don't get anything out of it. Who says you get stuff out of it? Why don't you give occasionally? He gave his life for you, but we come in as materialists saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. We're just like that soldier. Just give me what I want. The second soldier, he thrust a sword up into the heart of Jesus Christ and ripped it out, causing water and blood to flow out, showing that Jesus was truly dead. His experience was one of hatred and anger toward Jesus. And some of you here might be angry at God, that God hasn't done what you wanted, that God hasn't given you what you prayed for. Well, this man, in anger and, and hatred, thrust this spear up and ripped it out. This man trampled the, blood of, the precious blood of Jesus Christ underfoot. 
You can't get closer to the redeeming blood of Jesus than that. Yet he was never saved. The Bible never records him being saved. He trampled the blood of Jesus underfoot. It was probably washing all over him. You can be close. You can come to church every week. You can take part in Christian things. You can watch sermons online. You can sing the songs. But you can be that close, but that's not close enough because only the blood of Jesus will set you free. But you have to receive Christ. You can be close. That guy was close. But he wasn't close enough because he never called him Lord. He never called him Savior. Many people these days are like that soldier. They're angry at God. Don't believe me? Get on Facebook and say something. And people will attack you left, right and center. You know the society we live in. In the name of inclusion, we include everybody, every creed, every belief except Christians. We exclude them in the name of inclusion. That's the society in which we live. Lots of people have hatred towards God because God doesn't bow and scrape to their demands. But he's God, folks. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And not only is the King of kings and Lord of lords, not only is the one who created our world, but he came and he died in our place to buy us back. And we think we can order him around and get mad at him when he doesn't give us what we want. This is God. We should be on our knees, on our faces before him, worshipping him and thanking him for what he did on that cross. This soldier tre tread the blood of Jesus underfoot. You can't get closer than that. But he wasn't saved. And today across our nation, our people will be thinking about a lot of things. They'll be thinking about a day off. They'll be thinking of hot cross buns and Easter eggs. And, and, and they'll be thinking, oh great, I don't have to go to work. It's a, it's a long weekend. But the, as they do it, as they celebrate family things and all that, they will be treading the precious blood of Jesus underfoot, discarding it, saying, that's not important to me. They'll be treading the, the, with contempt the precious blood of Jesus into our red Aussie soil and it breaks our heart. It really does. But the third man there was the centurion. He was the leader. And Mark 15, 39 records what happens with the centurion. Listen to this. And when the centurion who stood facing him, Jesus, saw the way that he, he breathed his last, when he saw Jesus die, the centurion said, truly, this man was the son of God. So what are you going to say this morning to the one who died for you? Are you out to get as much as you can from him? Lord, bless me, give me all my prayers answered. Are you out to, to, to be angry at him? Are you treading his precious blood underfoot by not honoring him? Why not be like the centurion this morning? Why not make this good Friday the best Friday by saying, truly, you are the son of God and I worship and honor you. It's a simple thing to worship one who is so great and one whose love for you is so great that he left his home in glory and he came to earth to die in your place. Why not be like the centurion? Why not acknowledge and believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, who died for you and for your sin and paid the price to win you eternal life? This morning we concentrate on the cross. On Sunday we're going to have a wonderful morning because we'll be talking about the triumph of the resurrection. But this morning, when you survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died,
What do you count as loss? Can you pour contempt on all your pride? When you look at the cross, how will you respond this Good Friday? If you take this opportunity to really deeply reconnect with God, then this Friday will be this Good Friday will be the best Friday. So now, I want you to think about whatever your greatest burden is right now. In a few moments, we're going to nail this to the cross as a symbolic act that we are giving it totally to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're laying it at his feet. But if you've never asked Jesus into your life, you won't understand what this is. You won't be getting it. But I want to urge you right now, be like that centurion and say, yes, Lord. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life or if you've been wandering far from him, this is the moment to get it right. This is the moment when we need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm turning to you. I'm worshipping you. I'm accepting you as my Lord and my Savior. And thanking you for what you did on that cross. Let's bow together in prayer. And then we're going to do something really special. But if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or if you have in the past but it's gone cold, then this is the moment you need to get it right. Let's make Good Friday the best Friday. Pray this prayer with me. And together we will walk this road and reconnect you with the one who loves you so much. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. But right now, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin and turn towards you. I accept your free gift of salvation. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for filling me with your Spirit. And for making me part of your forever family. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'll get you to just shoot your hand up where you are. I don't want anyone to miss out this morning just very quickly. Praise God. Praise God. Is there any more? Good. Okay. Just put your hands down. We want to do something really special here for a moment. I want you to think about as you just continue in an attitude of prayer, what is the greatest burden you carry? It could be a sin that you've committed, that you're ashamed of. It could be a fear, something you're worried about, maybe losing your home, losing friends, losing family. It could be just a great struggle, something that you, you are struggling to cope with at the moment. Everybody has some burden they're carrying, and I'm going to ask you to give that to the Lord this morning. You were given on the way in a piece of paper and a pen. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you haven't got it, just, just raise your hand and we'll make sure you get it. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to write down your greatest burden, whatever it is, be it a sin, be it a fear, be it a struggle, whatever it is. I want you to write it down on that piece of paper for me. Don't show it to anyone. No one's going to know about this. This is between you and God. It's got nothing to do with us. So just, if, there's a, a couple over here, Jeff, and another one towards the back there. So just take that now, just take a few moments, write that down. Whatever your greatest struggle is, your greatest sin, your greatest burden. What is it that troubles you? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that hurts? 
and the pain never seems to truly go away. Just take a few minutes and just write that. This is between you and God. Just write it down on that piece of paper. What we're going to do here is something really, really special. We have here a cross. And what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to take that burden. And we've got a hammer, we've got nails, and you're going to nail it to the cross. The cool thing about this is that you can't take it back. It's nailed. It's stuck there. You may say, wow, what are you going to do with it? I'm not going to do anything with it. We're going to take it down. Our prayer team is going to pray over it without looking at it because it's between you and God. And then we're going to destroy whatever you put here. Whatever you put here is totally secret and sacred between you and the Lord. But I want you to be honest because this could be the greatest moment of your life to release that burden that you've borne for so long. Maybe no one else knows what it is. God knows. Maybe no one else can see what you've done. God does. Remember, he hung on a cross similar to this. He hung on a cross for you and for me. And nails didn't hold him there, but his love for you held him there. That's what held him there. Now, this is your moment to give back, to come and nail your burden to the cross. So we're just going to sing a few songs in the background. I'm going to ask you to form a... uh, come out this way and start coming down this aisle and we've got a team here should we do it can we put this on this side is that okay and we've got a team here who are going to give you a hammer and a nail now if you're anything like me I hit more thumbs than I do uh, than I do nails when I nail but but you know do be do be kind to yourself don't try and 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 whatever you do, don't nail your own self to the cross. But we're going to ask you to come here, take, take your piece of paper, fold it up, nail it to the cross. And when you do that, you are giving that burden to Jesus forever. Forever. You can't pick it back again. Whatever is worrying you, whatever has caused you to lose sleep, this is the moment that you release it. So I'm going to ask you to form a line around here. After you have nailed your burden to the cross, we're going to have someone here who will give you some communion elements to go back to your, your seat. We're going to have communion together, sing a song, and that'll be it for Good Friday. But it could be the most significant moment of your life when you finally nail that burden to the cross. So why don't we just stand up, everybody, and...